You know, I come to you today with a, with a question that the Lord has laid on my heart, and you may be seated. And with the Lord at the helm of this ship that we're traveling on and we're sailing on together. But before I ask this question, I want you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 16. And Brother Jeremy, I told you verses 1 through 3, but I'm actually going to read verse 4 as well. My apologies on that. Proverbs 16, starting with verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. And then down to verse number 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Now within this chapter, we can see that everything we do is surrounded by God. Everything we see, everything we choose, everything we hear, everything we touch, everything we do, whether we serve Him or not serve Him. In the end, if you know the end, the Lord always has the final say. He always has the final word. He always has the final call. But I have felt so heavy in my spirit leading up to this day, and for the rest of our time together, I want to bring, a, bring out a question to you, and that is, who has your final say? While I understand this question may be somewhat rhetorical, and we may know the answer, the Lord wants to release some joy throughout this place today. The Lord wants to receive His peace throughout this place. And the Lord wants you to see your victory today in this place. The Lord wants to increase your faith in this place. And so again, I ask, who has your final say? And for the next few minutes, I want to bring out the following from our scripture, and that is preparation, conviction and correction, and finally enduring until the end. And to that, I say to you that we must be prepared. In verse 1, we read of the preparations of the heart of man, and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. But we must be careful in how we read this set of verses. There is some great truth in every verse. After all, it's in the Word of God. As we read this verse, we are taught that we are not sufficient by ourselves to think or speak anything of ourselves that is wise or good. On the contrary, we must realize that our sufficiency is of and in God, that the increase that we see around us is from Him. That sufficiency is only of God if we allow Him inside of our hearts, followed by everything we do or say, and in the end, everything that we are. You see, God wants to do a great work in you, but it starts with you realizing that without the Lord, you're nothing. Without the Lord, you have nothing. Without the Lord, you lack purpose. Now, well, hold on there, Pastor Trevor. Can't I find purpose in other things? Well, sure, but I can guarantee that anything, that anything, if, if it is done, uh, does not have the Lord intertwined with it, that it will not be blessed. 
It will not be fulfilling like that of something that is intertwined with him, that has God at the helm of that ship. Like that of when God is at the helm of the ship and you are sailing, giving direction on the path that he wants you on. When we take things into consideration, when we take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ, that is when we can know that what we say, what we do, and who we are is of the Lord. Paul gave a pivotal example of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when speaking of carnality. Verse number 4, starting, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who then is Apollos, but ministers whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase." The people of Corinth must have fallen into some kind of a mind trap, if you will. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been a need for Paul to address them on this subject. Maybe they had a little pride in their heart. When you look at your brothers and your sisters around you, each of you can bring someone to Jesus. But in the end, it's Jesus that draws them here. It's Jesus that draws them to Him. Amen? No, that, that does not mean that we can be nonchalant and just be lazy or in our walks with Him, right? We can't just stand there and do nothing. You know, when the Bible talks about waiting on the Lord and He will renew your strength, it doesn't just mean standing there. I'm waiting on you, Lord. Are you there? No, it means continuing to do the work that the Lord has called you to do. We're all called to make disciples of all nations. We're all called to witness to one another while we wait on the Lord and His, His, His return again. Amen? Amen. We are called to make disciples. We are called to be witnesses in all Judea, in all Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Paul wanted people to understand that, okay? Without God, it's all in vain. It would not be anything without. But with God, it's surrounded by Him. It's surrounded in Him. He gives the increase. He deserves the honor. He deserves the glory. Amen? With God in the midst of the preparation, one begins to realize that whatever the Lord has for them, that He is sufficient. Man cannot go on about their day without God who made man's mouth and teaches us what we should and should not say, who teaches us what we should and should not do. You see, I can try to go on without God, but it's all going to be in vain, and it's all going to be for nothing. You see, I can walk throughout my day and say, man, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to have all this, and I'm going to make this, and I'm going to make that, but without the Lord intertwined with it, it's all in vain. Come on, somebody. When, when I walk about my day and my first thoughts aren't the Lord is going to save me, the Lord's going to heal me, the Lord's going to show me where I need to go, what am I doing? What am I doing without Him? How am I surviving without Him? You see, in the story of the three Hebrew boys who were thrown into the fiery furnace, and I was talking to Pastor Lucas about this earlier today because I, get, I got to teach Sunday school today. And guess what I taught these Sunday school kids? The fiery furnace. God has a great way of, of doing those sort of things for me. 
These three Hebrew boys were tested, right? Right? They were tested. But first, they were prepared. We must be prepared. This self-centered king, Nebuchadnezzar, was telling everyone that when the, the musicians played their instruments, that everyone was supposed to bow down to this huge 90-foot-by-nine image that they had made out of gold that this king had made. If you put yourselves in the shoes of those three Hebrew boys who chose to stand when everyone else bowed, they knew who had their final say. They believed with every ounce of their being that God would rescue them one way or another. They said, yeah, if God rescues us from this, this is great. But if he does not, know this, O king, that we are not going to bow down to your image. Whether or not he would show up in the fire or not, these boys knew that they would be rescued. Why? Because they had taken the time to prepare themselves. But how did they prepare they prepared through prayer. They prepared through hearing the spoken word and learning thereof. They had an understanding of who God was and who he is. Amen? But get this. When it came right down to it, when the time came for them to test their faith, you better believe they trusted God more than they trusted any man. You see, church, there may come a time where you will have to choose between God and man. You know, the Bible talks about not being able to serve two masters. In fact, right now we should be doing that so that when the time comes and we're faced with a situation like these three Hebrew boys where we may be thrown into the fiery furnace that we know without a shadow of a doubt who, where we're going, who's going to deliver us. He may show up in the fire with us, but if he does not, I'm still not going to bow. Are you prepared to make that choice? God help us. God help us to be prepared so that when the time comes, that we will be ready to stand when everyone else is bowing. Oh, the three Hebrew boys had the best provisions that anyone at that time could ask for. They were very well taken care of. They were, they were chosen by the king. But when the time came down to choose between God and man, they said, we won't bow down to you. We only bow to God. We only worship him. We only serve him. We only bow to the king that all of the other kings will eventually bow down to. They chose God. Joshua makes a very similar proclamation in Joshua 24, 15, saying, Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, and this just brings me right into that correction and that conviction. Now, now raise your hand if you've ever been corrected by God. Praise God. Praise God. I would say that if you have read and obeyed his word, that there would be some conviction and correction taking place. But I want to ask you something just as plain as can be. And I want to go back to verse 2 real quick. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. From this verse, I want to cut straight to the chase. What are you allowing in front of God? What are you allowing in your life before God? You see, 
a couple of Wednesdays ago and many times in the past, the youth will uh, account to this, that I have made reference to a podium as one would see perhaps on an Olympic stage or a high school track meet or any kind of individual sporting event. But I want to show it again because it cuts straight to the chase. So I'm just going to come down here and pretend like, well, this is a good podium here. So this is the first place, and then we step down a step at second, and then third, and then fourth. So God should always be number one, right? What happens if God is number two? What's standing in his way? You see, when we allow things to stand in the way of God, he gets further and further down on the podium to where he doesn't even exist at all. Oh, come on, somebody. What do we got to do? What do we got to do to get him back in the number one spot on this podium in our lives? What do we got to do? We've got to get rid of some things. We've got to pray to him. We've got to say, Lord, I commit myself to you. <laughs> you know, it's, there's something in first place that's, that's taking God away from that. And I don't believe I would be asking the question if there weren't. You know, we, it could be anything really. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're battling with that may be battling God for first place in your life. But I'm here to tell you that whatever it is, it's not worth it. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your money. It's not worth anything of you. I want to tell you that you can make the change to put God back in first place. To put him back on the top. Because that's where he belongs because remember that when God is at the center of it all, everything else just falls into place. Now listen, it may not fall into place like we expect it to, but it's how God ordained it. And we can choose to follow him. We can choose to trust in him no matter the road he has us on. You see, there's this thing about trust that says, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen tomorrow. In fact, I'm not even going to worry about tomorrow because I've put my trust in you, Lord. You hold my tomorrows. You took care of me yesterday. You're taking care of me today. And I know you're going to take care of me tomorrow even though I don't know what's going to happen. I could die in a car wreck on the way to work tomorrow. But I'll still put my trust in you. I could get blown up by a firecracker later today. Hopefully not. But I still put my trust in you. Amen? It's, it's that trust that says, I, I just, I don't know, but I trust. But I trust in you. I, don't, I believe in you, Lord. I'm, I'm very uncertain right now. Anybody have any uncertainties? Put your trust in him. Amen. It's, it's up to you how you respond to, to this conviction and this correction that the Lord has placed on your heart because he doesn't really want to fight for that number one spot. In fact, he's quite the gentleman. If you've got something there, he's going to say, you know, you should move that thing because that's where I want to stand. That's where I want to be. But I'm not going to push you into doing something that you don't want to do. It's up to you to make that choice. It's up to you to see how you're going to respond to, again, that, that correction that the Lord has for you and make the changes you need to do. You see, the Lord convicts us, but we are the ones that must allow that change to happen. How we respond to conviction and correction will further demonstrate our reliance on God to lead us and to guide us. Further, if we really believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Lord convicts and corrects those whom he loves. Are you loved by God? Amen. Since you are loved by God and all that he wants is to be closer to you and all that he wants is for you to draw closer to him. You know, when we, when we sing these songs, there's, there's freedom in Jesus' name. There's no bondage. Well, the only way for there not to be any of that bondage is if we shake those things that are taking us from him. We shake those chains off. I wonder if we've got some people in this place today who just need to shake some of that bondage off so you can be set free. You see, you see the three Hebrew boys were bound in the fire, and the fire burned up that rope. Well, sometimes we've got to be put through that fire so that we can come out on top, so that we can come Come out purified so that we can raise our hands to the Lord and so we can worship him freely without any distraction, without anything that might try to press our attention. Hallelujah. I was, I was listening to something on the way here that, that talked about, yeah, they were, they were bound. But the fire was so hot that it burned the rope, but it didn't burn them. Amen. They came out untouched, and, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh, the fire. The fire consumes, the, the fire purifies. It gets rid of all those things. It gets rid of that bondage so that we can be set free. And when we're set free, uh, we can lift our hands to him. We can worship him freely. And we can worship him through the trials too. We should worship him through the trial. We should worship him when we're in our valleys. <laughs> we should worship him when we're on the mountaintops. All right, all right, come on, church. You know, you know maybe, maybe, I wonder if there's some people here today who just need to draw closer to him today. Maybe you veered away from him, not very distantly, but that there was something that happened in your life that just kind of turned you sideways. There's something in your life that just kind of turned you sideways and, uh, to where you were left with what just happened. How did I get here? and you're not sure where to turn. Can I tell you? Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has the final say. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Some of you came here this morning with a heaviness in your heart, with, a troubling, with troubling thoughts in your mind, but to that I ask again, who has your final say? Who is the one that has not left you, who has not forsaken you, who has been with you in the valley of the shadow of death, who has been with you throughout your victories, who has been committed to you? It's Jesus. Truly, it's only Jesus. And as we read in verse number 3 of Proverbs 16, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. He is the one who deserves our commitment. Why? Because if we will commit ourselves to him, can I tell you that everything else will fall into place? Perhaps not quite like you planned, again, on it going, but it's all according to his plan and purpose as long as you stay committed to him. You know, another thing that I was thinking about just shortly before this time is that when the Israelites were, were marching around the walls of Jericho, we know these walls were fortified, which means they were very strong. There was nothing that's going to break them down. But they were given very specific instructions. The first six days they were supposed to march around at once and not make a peep. 
not make a noise. And then the seventh time, they were supposed to march around it seven times and then blow their tr- blast their trumpets so loud, and when they would, they would have their victory. You see, God has a way of working in your life, but sometimes, oftentimes, all the times, it takes faith from you. It takes commitment from you. It takes you saying, again, uh, I'm not sure how this is going to happen, Lord, but I'm putting my trust in you. You know, I've prayed to God for, for a healing in my body for quite some time now, and the Lord spoke to me some time ago. He said, you know, Trev, it's going to be a process. You know why he said it? Can I just be uh, uh, clear with you for a moment or uh, transparent? He says, because if I do it instantly, I'm not going to get all the glory. You know how that hit me? That, that hit me like a ton of bricks, but I said, okay, Lord, I will follow you. I will put my trust in you. Sometimes, and all, all the time, that's what it takes is that commitment. We've got to stay committed to him. Do I have some committed believers in this place who will stay committed through every road that he has you on for everything that you may be going through right now? Are you willing? Are you, are you promising to stay committed. You know, bouncing back to these three Hebrew boys, their commitment to the Lord was made evident in their choice to stand. Three were put in the fire, but a fourth appeared, who, without saying a word, spoke to everyone that was around. You know, King Nebuchadnezzar looked and he said, didn't I say to put three people in there? And then he saw a fourth one. He's like, I think my eyes are tricking me. You know, somebody, maybe somebody put something in his drink or something like that. Well, I'm not, it, they didn't, but a fourth man showed up in the fire. You get what I'm saying there? You know, Jesus shows up when we need him. Because why? He's always there. He's always there. He's, he's, just, a, he's just a call away. Say, Jesus, we can call on that name. And is ever, he's the ever-present help in our time of need. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, you've got to allow Jesus the final say in your life. Notice I said you have to allow Jesus the final say. Through any trials you may be facing, through any troubles you may be enduring with your family, through any troubles you may be going through on your job, allow Jesus the final say. When the woman who was caught in the act of adultery was tossed before the feet of Jesus, she was broken, she was battered, She was ashamed. She had nowhere to turn. She saw her life kind of flash before her eyes. Think, I'm about ready to lose everything. But when Jesus stepped on the scene, things began to change. Oh, church, his grace and mercy is here for you today. It's here for you at this very moment. And you can call on him right now. Right at this very moment, things can change when you call on that name. And in fact, things will change when you call on that name. And if you believe that, go ahead and say amen. Come on. Oh, yeah, there we go. So, things change when you call on who? Jesus! Oh, hallelujah. Church, in the end, Jesus will have the final say. In the end, when the last trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first and they that are alive are caught up together with him, Jesus has the final say. That will be the end 
all. The ruler of the universe will deliver his people once and for all. With today being the Sunday in which we partake in communion together, I would ask the ushers if they would quickly gather the uh, communion plates and come forward at this time. And I want everyone to come up to the front as soon as these ushers come forward to retrieve their communion that we're about to take together. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I, I, I want to go back to the the, the walls of Jericho again, because I was thinking about that. I'm like, this is like a prerequisite to their miracle. You see, again, there's certain things that we must do. It's all surrounded in faith, but we've got to listen to the voice of the Lord. Come on, ushers, come on up at this time. And as you see the ushers come forward, go ahead. Come on up and get your communion cups and then come back to your seat. Amen. Amen. We're about to partake in communion together. But as long as it's all intertwined with him, you see, we're going to see that victory. We're going to see that miracle take place. If you need a miracle in your life this morning, you've got to call on him. There's a faith building in this place. Praise team, you can come up here at this time as well. You know, I want to do things just a little differently today, if that's all right. And here's how, as soon as you get your communion, praise God. Praise God. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And I'll take one, two. Just a quick reminder, as you're getting your communion cups, the top flap is the, is the bread, uh, the cracker there, and then the second flap is the, the juice. So just a, just a reminder of that. And as you're going back to your seats, you know, we, we, we partake in communion together to remember his body and his blood that he shed on Calvary. We do these things in remembrance of him. And today, we are going to take that a step further. Today, as you remember his body and as you remember his blood, I want you also to remember the victory that Jesus won on the cross. And as you are taking communion together, please stand with me at this time. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to take this communion together. 1 Corinthians 11 says, Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your body, which you gave for your people, which you gave for us, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the word continues in 1 Corinthians 11. After the same manner, also he took the cup, which he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Thank you for your body. <laughs> Thank you for your blood which you shed. <laughs> Thank you for the stripes you took on your back, O oh God, for our healing, for our deliverance. Oh, you're so merciful, Lord. You're so great, God. Hallelujah. Come on, praise team. 
Come on, church. Take a moment with me right now and let's thank him for his victory. Take a moment right now. I encourage you to come forward and give God some praise. You can stay where you're at, but these altars are open. If you need a victory in this place, we've got people who can pray with you, but we serve a God who is a God of victories. Now, you may not be able to see it again, but God will see you through it. And if you believe that with me, why don't you lift your hands all over this place? Come on, that's victory. That's victory that you're getting right now. That's victory that you're receiving from the Lord right now. Go ahead, call on that name. Say, Lord, I I find my victory in you. I find my peace in you. Oh, God, whatever it is that you need, the Lord is here to provide that for you today. He's the ultimate provider. He's the only provider of our needs. He supplies all of our needs according to his riches.